satisfying feeling you can get in the gym is the pump. Welcome to Arnie Geddon. I'm Cam Smith. And I'm Tony G. And this week, we're here to talk about Pumping Iron, the 1977 documentary by George Butler and Robert Fiore that launched Arnold Schwarzenegger to superstardom. And what a film. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. This was the movie that got him a lot of attention to do Conan. So, in many ways, you know, you'd think, you know, that even though Hercules goes bananas slash Hercules goes to New York came first. This was the one that made uh, producers look at him and go, now this is a guy with uh, Hollywood written all over him. So Tony, had you seen this film before? No, actually, I, I thought I'd had, but I'd, uh, I had not seen it before. How about you? Never. It's so strange. I think I'd seen almost every single Arnold film except Me this one. Me too. Why do you think that is? Because it's so important in you know the Arnold Schwarzenegger career. I don't know. I mean, it's obviously in a sphere of interest, which uh, I'm not really that particular to. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Notwithstanding, <laughs> notwithstanding my chiseled physique. <laughs> they should make a, a movie called uh, Becoming Beanbags, starring you and I. Hey, hey, I got abs like a cheese grater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't relate to this movie at all. This was <laughs> this movie was like dropping me on Mars and like watching just like Martian technology and trying to figure it out just by what I'm seeing. Yeah, man, those guys are so jacked. Yeah, it's unreal. Did it make you feel like less of a man? Well, I know I'm less of a man. <laughs> like I'm, I mean, as a Schwarzenegger fan, I'm often. Concerned that I'm a little bit less of a man, but this movie absolutely confirmed in every way that Arnold Schwarzenegger is a far superior man to me or anyone else I know, really. Yes, yes. Now, this film was really popular in the 70s. It, you know, a lot of special interest documentaries nowadays, you know, they come out, maybe they make a splash with a small number of people, but they don't maybe get a huge cultural footprint. Uh, you know, you can maybe say like Blackfish because it's really affected SeaWorld's profits. But in general, most documentaries, I, I would say, don't tend to get mainstream uh, attention. This one, though, was actually at least partly responsible for the huge gym craze of the 80s. The whole, like, pump it up, you know, uh, idea came out of this movie. And the number of gyms that opened in the early 80s in sort of the wake of this film was just massive. Really? Uh, I, I think I was a child, so I didn't notice. I didn't either. I was also a child. <laughs> so yeah, as a young child, you know, we're never like, pump it up. Uh, no pain, no gain. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I don't think I ever was. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but, so, okay, so, you know, we've come to this film really late <laughs> in terms of watching Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. What was your take on, on this film? Well, I don't know. I mean, it was it was actually entertaining. I always thought it was just going to be kind of, uh, you know, uh, the way a lot of the things from the 70s kind of look, which is um, especially things like documentaries. 
Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of bad. Documentaries don't age very well a lot of the time, I find. Mm -hmm. Sort of like comedies. Yeah, it was good, though. It was actually, it was really good to see not only Arnold's first film, but um, also Michael Moore's. Um, (laughs) And he showed how bodybuilding was the source of capitalism in America. And uh, how Arnold's muscles were going to save schools from shootings. (laughs) You took different notes than I did. Yeah, um, no, it was uh, it was good. I mean, it's definitely a movie without really any special effects, except the people who are in it. The oiled up manly men on stage. <laughs> yeah, the, and they're all pretty interesting guys. They're all kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, every one of them seemed to be borderline certifiable. Mm-hmm. Was Arnold the most normal one? I don't know. I mean, it definitely confirmed his total god complex. Yes. Um, at least when he was 27 or 28, uh, whenever this movie was made. Um, but yeah, I mean, what was, he had that one line in it that he was, uh, he wanted to be remembered. He, he grew up dreaming of dictators and Jesus and how they were remembered for hundreds of years. Thousands so, in Jesus case. Yeah. You know, that's, I feel like saying, oh man, like you might regret that one later, pal. What did you dream of as a, as a young man? Uh, cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so this film, for me, I was kind of almost dreading it. I really thought it was going to be 90 minutes of this is how we lift iron. This is the techniques that do this and that. Uh, when, when I actually sat down and discovered it was about the 1975 Mr. Olympia contest i was gonna say pageant but then i just realized it <laughs> <laughs> just makes me sound wussy and i don't already feel wussy enough um but there's actually like a real narrative to this movie about this contest between arnold schwarzenegger lou ferrigno and a couple other guys for this title and and you know lou ferrigno is a name too so that it actually means something it's not kind of you remember the old days of wwf when it would be like hulk hogan versus bob smith yes and you're like well i know who's winning this one Mm-hmm. In this case, because we know Ferrigno, we knew Schwarzenegger, there's at least, we, we suspect Arnold's winning, but there's at least a little bit of a question in the air. Yeah, and there, I mean, Franco Colombo as well, I think. Yeah, uh, a terrifyingly small but huge man. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> you wouldn't want to wake up with him in your shoebox in the morning. <laughs> what do you think he does just day to day now? Day to day? Yeah. I bet you he does something pretty interesting, whatever it is. I hope he's not dead. Like, I hope this doesn't coincide, <laughs> this release of this podcast doesn't coincide with the bodybuilding community mourning the loss of Franco Colombo. We can it, defend ourselves against angry internet nerds, but not angry bodybuilders. No, no. <laughs> to, to all the body... I want, maybe we should start out like that. To all the bodybuilders that we might offend... We it, worship and respect you. You guys are incredible... You really make the world go round. You're an inspiration to me, and I'm sure I'm speaking for Cameron, uh, and you're an inspiration to all of us, and I sincerely, I, I, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Please. Please just don't hurt us. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> this movie also, you know, it reminded me of some, a lot of modern documentaries. Like, have you ever seen The King of Kong? Yeah. Yeah, which is a really good documentary, I think by Seth Gordon, about the you know battle to win uh, the championship for, in Donkey Kong. But it positions this sort of competition between these two very different men. And I thought this film actually did a really good job, too, with Ferrigno and Schwarzenegger. 
Freaking and Schwartz and those other two guys, uh, Mike Katz and Ken Waller. Ken Waller was such a dick. <laughs> you know, I, and I actually, I got to wonder, I mean, I enjoyed the movie, but um, I actually really wonder uh, how much of the positioning of these good guy and bad guy kind of uh, narratives is it was actually the case. You kind of get the impression they're all actually hanging around and eating pork ribs together or something like that. Do you get the sense of like... Um... Mike Katz was kind of being presented as the Charlie Brown of the weight weight uh, lifting world. Yeah, he had a family. He uh, talked really slow. <laughs> he had thinning hair. <laughs> yeah, nothing ever went right. Yeah, and then whereas Ken Waller, I think the only scene he had was like him looking like a carrot top on steroids. See, I said Dan- uh, Danny Bonaduce. Yeah, just well, just making fun of him. <laughs> I'm going to steal his shirt. It was one of the lines. Um, uh, anyways, it's a movie that's worth watching to our listeners out there in the world uh, who I hope ha- I hope aren't just listening to this because they're bodybuilding fanatics. Because <laughs> you are going to hear no proper lingo. You're not going to get any tips. <laughs> yeah. It's about... Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, uh, it's about guys that um, lift barbells and make their muscles large. Yeah, so let's talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger, the theme of this whole podcast project. Watching this film, was Arnold, you know, a star? Was this a, a huge moment for him as a as sort of a launch pad? Well, it's hard to hard to argue with that with everything that came after. Sure, but when you're watching the film, did you feel it too? Um, well, he's definitely the focus of the film, and I mean. Uh, we foolishly talked a little bit about it before the podcast, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's easy to forget that before Arnie was the king of Hollywood, he was um, he you know he really defined the bodybuilding world by winning that uh, Mister Olympia title like a zillion times. Yeah, yeah, it's so strange. Like that feels like such a um, non-event when I look at Arnold Schwarzenegger because I only think of him for his movie career. But this was huge. In his political career. That too. I and apparently he makes a mean banana bread. <laughs> Is that so? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, to me, Arnold came off really well in this film. Not necessarily because he sounds self-aware, but because Arnold has so much personality in this film. He's always smiling. He ha- gives great sound bites. Like, you compare him to Lou Ferrigno, who, um... Lou Ferrigno is much more like the sort of internal... I don't know if I'd say intellectual, but he just seems much more quieter and intenser. Whereas Arnold is just like a showman. You know, I mean, he... he Lou Ferrigno um, has had very little hearing since childhood. Right. And if he's not reading lips, you kind of get the impression that he's really not hearing most people. Right, yes. That'll make anyone quiet. But did you, um feel watching this film like i i feel in 1977 anyone watching this was supposed to cheer for schwarzenegger you're like i want schwarzenegger to win this mr olympia title now did you feel maybe any differently watching it now because we look you know i looked at the edit for um for lou Ferrigno and i really kind of felt like for this underdog yeah well i mean schwarzenegger was presented as a bit of a a bit villainous yeah Uh, he was a schemer Mm-hmm. Um, both against Franco Colombo and against Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, like his big strategy was to kind of be really friendly and outgoing and hang out with these guys 
and give them nothing but bad advice and, like, put-downs. Yeah, I thought he he came across as a bit of a sociopath, to be honest. <laughs> there's, there's a... He gives this monologue in the film, spoiler alert, and pumping iron. Yes. Uh, where he's, you know, he, where he says where he's really... When he's really focused on a on a competition, focused on winning, he can't let anything get to him. And um, he remembers when his dad died, uh, and his mother called him up and he said, "Arnold, we really want you to come home." And uh, Arnold said, "I'm not coming home. I've got a competition in two months." Uh, <laughs> and he's and he he laments the fact that his girlfriend at the time asked him, "Don't you feel sad about this?" And uh, I guess he was focused on winning. Well, I've got a bombshell revelation to drop on you. What? He made that whole story up. Really? Yes. You're kidding me. I am 100% serious. Whoa. He admitted later <laughs> to actually making up that story for the producers. Was his dad dead at the time? Uh, yes. Oh. But he was, at, he, went, he was at the funeral. And he talked to his dad before he died, too. Well, that's interesting. You've done your homework. I'm actually wondering how much of the... That's another... I mean, there you go. How much of this movie is is true to life. Well, that's the question, you know, we'll ask ourselves is because, you know, we referred to the King of Kong earlier. Huge swaths of the King of Kong were fictionalized. You know, it was not um, a perfect portrait of reality. Mm -hmm. And so now we're running to the question with this film, does reality matter or does the film, because it works, is that, is that all that matters? That's getting pretty existential. I know, and I think we need to go there. Um, well, I don't think most of the characters in the film would be too interested in the uh, existential nature. No, I don't think Ken Waller cares. No, no. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, if the goal was to make uh, an engaging and entertaining documentary, I think a lot of documentaries do that as they kind of twist. I think you have to. Because ultimately, you know, if you're telling a story, stories by nature are not truthful. They may be, you know, even if you tell a story to a friend about an event, the facts may all be accurate, but you're presenting it in a way that is maybe more dramatic or just giving it some some sort of emotion that maybe didn't exist in the moment, just for the sheer purpose of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'd be really boring if you just presented everything verbatim as it happened. Well, I don't know. I mean, um, there's a there's a bunch of stuff in the film that I thought was almost certainly real. Uh, now you're questioning it, though, aren't you? I kind of am. I, I wonder how much of this was just foam latex fat suits. <laughs> you know, this was pretty much the the big mama's house of muscles. Right. Uh, big mama's house. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed... My, my favorite thing in the film that was almost certainly real was the uh, many close-ups of people's faces. Yeah, while they're working out? Yeah, yeah. Um, if that's all it had been, they could have called it dumping iron. <laughs> <laughs> just some of the most strained and worried faces that you'll ever see on human beings it's interesting because you know i i've watched a lot of sports movies in my time how many oh i'm not even gonna put a number on them but <laughs> when i watch sports movies i understand what i'm watching i understand sort of the process i know nothing about football but i understand why a team wins a football game why <laughs> the most points um but <laughs> but i when i'm watching like the weight uh the weightlifting stuff in this and the bodybuilding competition i don't understand 
why they win. Look at them, they're gigantic. But how do you compare one to the next? That's where the, the igno- sheer ignorance and befuddlement at this whole competition comes into play. No, they explained all that. They said that... It's like know, symmetry and... You know, Arnold considers himself to be an artist. Sure. To be a sculptor. Yeah. Except... Uh, I do too, but... Except his job is actually harder than a sculptor because he can't just slap on a piece of mud. He's got to hit the gym and... Uh, rip on his delts for uh for a couple days yes very true yeah so he, he you've got to be symmetrical you've got to have giant muscles yeah sure um i will just say like i didn't really understand any of this when i'm watching it like five greasy men like doing like these really awkward pose-offs I just if I'm in the audience, I'm sitting there staring at this, going like, "I wonder what the guy next to me is gonna say." <laughs> I'll just go with what he says. <laughs> well, they must. It must be based on something because Arnold won it six times in a that's row. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, may, or maybe they just decide after the first one. It's like we like this guy. Give it to him every year. Maybe. Um, yeah, maybe Arnold promised to cut them in on his Hollywood career or something. Off <laughs> that sweet, sweet Hercules goes bananas money. Was Hercules Goes Banana, was, was that before or after this? This was well, that was well before. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was in the late 60s. Mm. It's really bizarre to me that his career went from that to like the bodybuilding and, you know, Mr. Olympia and all that, back to movies. It's like, yeah, that is interesting. I don't really even understand how that worked. Well, stay tuned, everyone. We'll be reviewing Hercules Goes Bananas at some later date. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> Some, yeah, quite a ways off, I think. I, I have seen Hercules Goes Bananas, and um, it's not his best, but I look forward to discussing it with everyone yeah. out there. Our goal is to kind of spread out some of the early, more obscure stuff, just so that you guys aren't sitting here week after week listening to us review Christmas in Connecticut, the villain, uh, you know, Hercules Goes Bananas. We'll mix it up. But back to Pumping Iron. Um... Let's just talk about some of the quotes in this, because there is an opening scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger compares Pumping Iron to Coming, yeah, which may be the greatest monologue ever put to film. It's pretty amazing. He says, you know, that's, I mean, that's, it explains his motivation, I'm sure, not only in bodybuilding, but also in Hollywood and in politics. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Um, that, you know... He's coming day and night, everyone. That's you heard it from Arnold, and you're hearing it from us. And you know, you take you know that monologue, and then you cut to a shot of him lifting his face, lifting iron, and you're like, "Oh, oh, jeez, <laughs> oh boy." <laughs> and then you watch him in every other movie he's been in since then. Yeah. Um, you know, every time he's at his yelling <laughs> kind of best, and you think, "Oh." <laughs> I um he married a Kennedy too. He did. Yeah. He did. I was kind of um, surprised how articulate he sounded in this film. Like so many Arnold films, he sounds very strained and very awkward early on. I actually thought he sounded fairly clear in this film. Uh, that which surprised me. I expected it to be more of him getting refined over time. Well, his early films were uh an ancient Greek in New York. Yes. Uh, a Sumerian barbarian. Yep. Raised in slavery. Yep. A cyborg. A monosyllabic uh, cyborg. A monosyllabic cyborg, that's correct. 
Yeah. Another barbarian. Sure. And, and then another, another barbarian. Another bar- well, the same barbarian. <laughs> well, two barbarians, but three different movies. Yes. Uh, yeah, at what point did he get a role? But would you say even when he did get roles and a lot of dialogue, he came across as smooth? Well, smooth isn't really the word. No, that's not the word, but... I just felt like this one, he was much more articulate than I really expected. And, you know, suddenly you sit him next to a Franco Colombo. I'm like, how do these two guys understand each other? (laughs) Well, they were speaking... I think they were speaking Austrian or German to each other. Were they? Yeah. Did Franco Colombo know Australian? All right, I know I... <laughs> Good night, Mike. Hello. I'm oh, sorry, that's not Australian. We're we're we've... sorry. Wait, wait for that accent in our uh, Crocodile Dundee podcast. <laughs> oh, jeez. Just here we are, driving planes into the sides of mountains. This is the. <laughs> no, I mean, did, do you think he knew Austrian? I don't think so. Who Arnold? No, Franco Colombo. I was gonna say if Arnold didn't know Austrian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it looked like Franco Colombo barely knew Italian. <laughs> He's a mystery to me, that man. I, I actually think that's one of the movie's shortcomings is um, I felt they sketched out some of the characters really well, mm-hmm. but both uh, Waller and um, Franco Colombo, I felt, were kind of vague in their portrayal. I mean, um, the, the uh, Mike Katz, he only gets a few minutes. But I really felt I knew a lot about him. Mm-hmm. I felt like the whole Cats Waller thing was a little bit of filler, actually. Yeah, well, it was kind of just I think to have an early competition in the first mm-hmm. like twenty-five minutes, so you kind of got like your your warm-up bout before the main event, I guess. I guess. I guess there was no real build-up to it, so I can't even say that it was like. It's kind of a weird movie. It is a weird movie, but what did you make of the 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 Weller Cats section of the film? It was enjoyable. I, I actually thought I was watching a, a movie just about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was good to see that there was, you know, other people besides Arnold in the film. But I don't know. It was all right. I really liked um, that moment where Mike Katz loses the title. You're, that's because you're a sadist. That's right. But I love that how there's that moment backstage and they're asking him, you know, they're talking to him. And then he hears that, you know, Weller has won. And he's just like, oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's fantastic. I gotta go uh, shake his hand. I gotta wonder whether or not that was real or staged. I think he was just, like, really depressed. But he was trying to be show his happiness or, or for a you know fellow athlete. And I don't think he could. I don't know. Do you think these guys have fragile egos? I'd say it's probably a good bet that a lot of them have body image issues. And, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And probably some of them have some form of mental illness. I think you have to in order to eat nothing but chicken and whey protein for years at a time and yeah. lift weights for six hours a day. Well, yeah, just the, the fact that like... Um, you know, Ferrigno does not win at the end. He gets third place. Uh, but, Spoiler alert. Yeah, but he's only 24 years old at this point. So, like, oh, don't worry. A couple of years down the road, you know, you're going to be forced to reckon with. And all I'm thinking in my head is, how many years of eating chicken is that? Yeah, that's a lot of egg whites. 
I mean, Hugh Jackman talked about bulking up to play Wolverine and how, what hell it was. And how he, you know, he said, you know, when I retire from this role, it's going to be so great not to have to eat like that ever again. Now, to, I would think to get in shape for that role, he takes maybe nine months to a year. Maybe even less. I don't really know. Um, I don't look like Hugh Jackman. But um, don't sell yourself short, Cameron. <laughs> but I look at what these guys are doing, and I just go, can you imagine committing years? Like being like, okay, you know, three, four years from now, I'm going to be a, you know, just this unstoppable force four years of eating you know steamed vegetables and chicken what did we we no i can't I, we ordered the uh <laughs> the combo for four <laughs> between the two of us yeah. uh today the chinese food yeah. yeah 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 the ginger beef is setting us on our way to <laughs> good good muscle health now i have to wonder too this is 1975 this mr olympia contest how much more extreme do the guys in this contest look now than then? Because we see that it, kind of ingeniously the opening credits set to a very uh, amusing uh, song about pumping iron um, <laughs> kind of shows the history of bodybuilding. But again, I wonder how much does it show the history of bodybuilding and how much is it just uh, hunt and peck uh, clips of a skinny dude in the 20s followed by <laughs> a slightly less skinny dude in the 40s Followed by a dude who's kind of jacked in the 60s, and now today, well, the I 70s. Well, I don't know. I mean, Sean Connery was a Mr. Universe, I think, in the 50s. And I don't think he ever looked anywhere near as big as like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Lou Ferrigno or any of these guys. I just don't think people worked out that way. You know, the technology and sort of the understanding of food's effect on the body and all that, that's kind of come over time. And I have to believe between 1975 and now... Now it's uh, 30 years. It has to have changed a lot. I imagine so. I'm no I'm no expert. It's 40 years, actually. Well, we've got the Bowflex yeah. now. Sure. And um, I think that's I think that's actually the only advance in <laughs> bodybuilding. Shake weights? <laughs> Shake weights. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Hose. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. What are the electrocution machine that uh, tones your muscles while you watch Pumping Iron? Right. I actually have one of those. Um, what? The, one of those electric electrodes. Why do you have one of They're those? They're really good. They give you like a good massage. Come on. They do seriously. I'm not kidding. What are you? What are you great. massaging? You just put it on like your back, of your neck. Yeah. Feels good. All right. But uh, <laughs> you know, I have a friend who's really into bodybuilding, and is at bane level uh width or whatever you want to call it mast at this point in time and uh i don't you know i watched what that guy eat at, you know at work and stuff like that and it just blows my mind it's like four cans of tuna for lunch wait a sec is this a friend or is this an acquaintance no it's a friend at work yeah work friend so <laughs> if you want to call that acquaintance that's just fine but we do go on break together a lot oh okay good. so that you know but, I mean, he will tell me about, you know, bodybuilding and all this sort of stuff and the competitions he does. And I just, like, scratch my head. I cannot relate. It's like, I guess I somewhere sit somewhere in the middle. Like, I can't understand extreme athletes and I can't understand, like, computer tech people. <laughs> I'm kind of just a simpleton in the middle. <laughs> I don't know if that would put you in the middle. I don't know. Where does that put me? At the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Like my cats. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, I have a question for you. For me? For you. Oh. There is a scene in this film where Arnold is working out and, like, showing off his, his, his pecs and glutes and what have you at a prison. Yeah. Why? I think it was... He was reaching out to, uh... Inspire the inmates to work out? Is that what it's about? I guess so. Like, I don't know. I mean, if I was hanging around in prison, uh... More often. Right. I guess, no, you know what? I probably wouldn't be that excited when <laughs> some large some, oiled Austrian man <laughs> came and started flexing. But maybe prisons have changed in the last 30 years, too. <laughs> I just really wondered about that whole scene because there was no setup. They just announced, you know, this is a prison, it houses this many inmates. And then just cuts to him in, like, the courtyard doing workouts with all these guys gathered around him. And one of them saying, like, give me a kiss. Yeah, it's no... <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, there wasn't that many guys gathered around him, so you can only assume that it's either a very small prison uh, or it's not a very popular attraction. I, Yeah, I just really scratched my head. Do you think they do that now? Do you think bodybuilders go to the prisons to uh, put on displays? You know what? And maybe, maybe that's my failing, as I'm far removed from both the bodybuilding and the prison yard... <laughs> culture this movie is like a perfect storm for both of those uh, two demographics it really is <laughs> now there's a funny scene in that uh, in that moment too where um, a funny bit where there's like a woman in the prison i'm not sure why <laughs> it was a co-ed prison well she was the only woman though well where, where, are, where are these co-ed prisons it's like a co-ed softball team okay <laughs> there's there's often only one woman <laughs> right Okay, well, there's a woman there nonetheless, and like Arnold kisses her, and he's like, "Ah, she hasn't been kissed in years," and I'm just like, "That's kind of mean." <laughs> yeah, it was a little mean, but he was kind of a mean guy for most of the movie. He really was. Um, what did you think of his scenes, like all these scenes he had with models and so forth? I got the impression that Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> At least until the point that movie was filmed, and probably for decades thereafter, spent 50 to 90% of his time having sex with women. <laughs> like, just... I feel like he impregnated women just by walking past them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's a good chance that he, at some point, went back in time and... Uh, like the Terminator? Yeah, and that, you know, the primi the primordial ooze from which all of humanity has <laughs> arisen was simply Arnold Schwarzenegger coming all over the place. He, the guy is... <laughs> yeah, you really get a sense that Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> was a bit of a ladies' man. <laughs> yeah, and I love the scene where he's talking to a reporter... And she's really nervously being like, what kind of girls do you like? He's like, he's like I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, he's just kind of listing off. He's like, big butt, small butt. It's just like, wow. <laughs> you know, there's a, a kind of a famous commentary uh, he did for Terminator 3 where he describes the uh, Christina Loken's character's um, breast size increasing. And he's like, ah, oh, this is genius. You know, the Terminator can make the breasts go big or the breasts go small. 
And that, like, uh, you know, when that DVD came out, a lot of people quoted that. It became really kind of popular. <laughs> you can see that that goes all the way back to this point. Arnold was always a little pervy. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you're six-time Mr. Olympia, um, hell, you know, I guess... Undefeated. Yeah. I guess work it if you got it, pal. <laughs> now, women aside, is this the most homoerotic movie you've ever seen? The most homoerotic movie or the most homoerotic Schwarzenegger movie? <laughs> Either or. Hmm. There was Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yeah, good call. Good call. Um, and I'm sure there's a few others. Uh, but I'm having a hard time placing them. Maybe uh, Top Gun? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely up there. There's a lot of uh, giant dudes showering together and flexing in the showers together and like pointing at each other's biceps. Rubbing oil on each other and then like being like, more oil, more oil. and Yeah, you can... I mean, maybe that's why it was so popular in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> a decade that has not aged well in this movie. Oh, the haircuts haven't. No, Lou Ferrigno just... I don't think that man's ever been able to find a haircut. <laughs> no, God bless him. <laughs> so this movie, um, big kind of hit, produced three sequels. You had in 1985, Pumping Iron 2, The Women. 2002, you had Raw Iron. And then in 2013, you had Generation Iron, where they talked to a lot of the participants in this movie about what effect it had on their lives and so on and so forth and about bodybuilding and what have you i didn't know that yeah i have not seen any of these movies i'm curious after seeing pumping iron do you feel motivated to check out these other ones did you feel this kind of told you all you need to know um i think i kind of get the point <laughs> bodybuilding's hard there's a lot of people who do it and it's a weird underground culture in which arnold schwarzenegger reigns supreme well i mean as he says he doesn't have weak points that was a great speech. It was. Yeah. Yeah, he has a whole section going on about why he is so confident in his perfection. Because he's perfect. Yeah. And he presents it so matter-of-factly with a completely straight face that I couldn't disagree with him. I was like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess, I mean, he seems like he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. This is a man that clearly knows perfection. <laughs> and he's ascribed it to himself. <laughs> I mean, sure, his back looks like something out of the thing, but, I mean... Yeah, or he looks like he could strap some roller skates on and work for the uh, the Wicked Witch of the East. Or, or did you ever see um, the, the Nightmare <coughs> on Elm Street movie where Freddy Krueger, like, lifts up his shirt and there's all, the, like, these tormented faces in his skin? No, I missed that one. Well, I think that was very much the inspiration for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that wasn't that movie released several years? It was. It was retroactively. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it was, maybe uh, Wes Craven or whoever directed that one watched uh, Pumping Iron and was like, "Oh, now that's terrifying." <laughs> Hard to believe this is unscripted. <laughs> Um, what do you think these guys did when they weren't pumping iron? I think that's all they did. I think, think all, so? I think all they did was pump iron, 
and bang women. <laughs> that's, well, that's, I mean, that's all they did. Like, it seemed, at least it, this, that's what this movie has led me to believe. Although they'd say Mike Katz is a teacher. But he's only in the amateur competition. Right. You know, if you want to be a pro, you got to quit that teaching. <laughs> yeah. What kind of teacher do you think he'd be like? Um, do you think he'd be like a gentle teacher? Do you think he's like scary? You know what? I didn't, I didn't do enough character analysis to establish what kind of junior high teacher Mike Katz from Pumping Iron would be. Now, what kind of teacher do you think Waller would be? I'm going to have to defer to my initial statement on Katz. <laughs> it's a multi-use statement. One of the funniest moments in this entire movie was the pose down. Which comes right at the end of the movie. We've seen the Mr. Olympia guys all come out. The judges have looked at them all and they're like, you know what, we can't decide. We need a pose down. And what follows is, well, how would you describe it? Well, it's exactly what it sounds like. Just imagine <laughs> the most gigantic guys you've ever seen. Buttery slabs of beef. Exactly. Just engaging in the most uh, classic... <laughs> bodybuilding poses you've ever seen uh arms over the shoulders uh behind the back you know showing off all those muscle groups mm -hmm. and uh just posing off together man putting on a show for the judges now in my mind the posing part seems easy but they talk a lot in this movie about the psychology of it how to have the perfect pose I don't know if this documentary really taught me the importance of posing. Yeah, I don't know if I really got all the way there. Or the difficulty of it. Yeah, it was kind of like, remember Armageddon, that really great film? Of course. Michael Bay, classic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're trying to make it out like, you know, deep well drilling is some kind of an art form. Yeah, where they I, couldn't train astronauts to do it. And I just kept thinking, yeah, no, it's not. You just push a button. <laughs> I feel like maybe posing is something similar. Yeah, like, uh, you know, every time they would have a section about posing, you know, Arnold saying, like, this guy can't pose, you know, and, but, and then he, there's, a, there's actually a really good scene where he's teaching sort of this diminutive guy how to pose. And I understood what he's saying about how small guys kind of will crunch up and make themselves actually look smaller, whereas you want to be bigger, look more confident. But I still don't know that I grasp what separates, a, you know, if when we're talking pros, a good pose from a bad pose. And that's why you'll never be a champion, Cameron. It's quite true. It's quite true. So, <laughs> boy, that's... that's... I, I, feel like, I feel like I really uh, put a, a that's ton, sober, ton of... sobering thoughts. Now... Aesthetically, you know, away from sort of the subject matter, what do you think of the um, the the production of this film? You know, how did it how did it look? You know, as an edited together piece of film, the soundtrack looked fine. Yeah, it's it, all right. I mean, it was looked like a documentary from the seventies. Yeah, would you so would you say that that a modern audience would find this thing watchable, or do you think it's kind of a relic of its time? I don't know. I mean, actually, I mean, one thing I was thinking about, and maybe maybe you notice the same thing is watching this movie or watching um you know as much as some documentaries don't age well they also haven't changed that much right you know it's still 
scraping together a movie out of a bunch of footage. Yeah. And, you know, there's different quality footage and different uh, camera techniques and that kind of thing. But Yeah. Um, and you, yeah, you have guys like Errol Morris who are kind of, you know, masters of the form, changing it up in, in certain ways. But you're right, the, the, the core of what the documentary is really hasn't changed. Yeah, is you know, editing film clips together, mm-hmm. taking 2,000 hours of film and editing it into one yeah. and a half. Uh, into some kind of a narrative and trying to make that compelling. Right. And I, I don't think, you know, I mean, it's as compelling today, I guess, as it probably was in the 70s. I think so, too. Like, it's a really, I think, well-done slice of life. Not just as in the bodybuilding world, but also just, like, as a piece of 70s documentary, the soundtrack, the sort of funk music soundtrack, this really um, hilariously kind of hokey, you know, pumping iron song at the start... It just it really um, submerged me in the time period in a way that I didn't expect. Yeah. Now, what did you think? I don't know if it was a, a, a artifact of the times or just an artifact of Arnold. Arnold's uh, celebration after he won the Mr. Olympia wearing, wearing the shirt that said Arnold is numero uno and smoking a joint in the back room with his buddies. What was he eating? It was like a plate of meat. Something like that. <laughs> a meat of undetermined origin. Um, Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> and then, yeah, singing a, a happy birthday to Lou Ferrigno. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice touch, because I think it would have been really easy to make Arnold Schwarzenegger look like a monster. <laughs> but, you know, like they made, gave him these sort of gracious moments that I thought, even if it's obvious Arnold is not operating on the same plane of existence that we are, um, I don't think I could relate to Arnold Schwarzenegger as a human being. But I think he had enough decent moments, and he seemed sincere enough that he's likable in spite of the fact he is the reigning champion. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he had a few, he had a few awkward lines. Sure, um, yeah, but, but that's yeah, what we love about Arnold. Yeah, yeah, he did have he did have a, a number of uh, really awesome parts too. Do you know? I actually don't know off the top of my head. Did Lou Ferrigno ever win the Mr. Olympia title? Um. Yeah, didn't he win uh, the right to play the Incredible Hulk? <laughs> yeah, I guess he got that, what, two years after this movie? Pretty shortly after, yeah. So, yeah, and I guess unless he maybe got Mr. Olympia the next year, then that was it, probably. Yeah, well, it was it was awkward, I guess, too, because didn't he have to... Um, he, had, he had to, like, bulk way down to, yeah, play, to play the Hulk. To, to play Banner. Yeah. And then bulk up every time, <laughs> every time Banner changed. Do you know why he was named David Banner in the show, not Bruce? No. Because they felt Bruce was too homosexual a name. Really? Yes. That is exactly why. Man. TV was a different place Times back then. have changed. Times man. really have changed. So, okay. So, final thoughts on Pumping Iron. You know, would you recommend this film? Uh, you know, we're obviously talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger fans. If they haven't seen this one, should they go see it? Or... Or not. Hopefully they've watched it to before they listen to this episode, but we can't assume they all have. Yeah, if you haven't watched it, spoiler alert. Uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's not like there's much of a spoiler, really. No. It's a bunch of dudes on a screen lifting weights. Um, yeah, uh, if, if you have any interest, really, in Arnold Schwarzenegger's career, uh, um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger as a guy, uh, you know, I'd really recommend actually going back and watching it. It's pretty short. And yeah. it's it's kind of a cool movie, 
even the Schwarzenegger factor aside, but um, as a historical Schwarzenegger document, I think it has uh, a lot of interesting value to it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really thought it was a lot of fun. It's a very slight documentary. It's not going to make you reconsider the human condition or anything like that. But Well, it might. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But I, I think it's just a really interesting look at a at a subculture that, I mean, I had I didn't know anything about, and you know you probably don't know anything about it either. I feel like most people don't. So you know, like I, like I say, there's a good chance that uh, anyone listening to this is here because maybe they're just really into pumping iron. Maybe so. Maybe so. You let you let us know, folks. <laughs> but I enjoyed the movie. I think it's worth watching. I think it has. I think it's funny. I think it's quotable. And it moves at a good clip. Like, if this movie had been two hours, maybe I would be a little less uh, enthusiastic about it. Because I think, uh, well, there is a lot of footage of dudes just working out. And I think that could have gotten old. But it's, you know, done at a brisk pace. Get old. (laughs) Get out of town. I think George Butler and Robert Fiore knew what they needed to do. And I think they had a, a fairly decent vision as to how to make this documentary and how to make it entertaining. Yeah, I'd agree. So I yeah, I recommend it. Um, so I think we are finished then with Pumping Iron. So if you want to get hold of us, send us comments, reviews. Uh, if you'd like to just get angry at us for our thoughts on Pumping Iron, you can send any email and thoughts to um, arniegeddonpod at gmail.com. You can also send us any Twitter messages or follow us on Twitter at arniegeddonpod. Um you can find me, I'm at uh, cambysmith.com, and also the Star Trek podcast, Subspace Transmissions. Tony? And you can always check us out on our website, arniegeddon.com. We're going to send you out, folks, with uh, some, hopefully with some music from Pumping Iron. We can only hope. It's pretty funky stuff. Hope you enjoy it, and hope uh, the funk musician on Pumping Iron doesn't track us down and sue us. He doesn't have the money for lawyers, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that we're going to start pinging pretty high in the search engines here any day now. (laughs) So, we'll be back with Predator. Predator.